Why does God allow suffering? Why do bad things happen to good people? Does my life make a difference? Does God even have a purpose for me? Why does everyone else look so happy? Does God really care about me? Why me? Does anybody love me? Will I go to heaven? Why can't I trust anyone? Why now? When will this pain end? Are you even listening? Why can't I do anything do right? Do you even care? Anyone miss me when I'm gone? I believe. Help my unbelief. I'm going to speak on something uh, I've never really spoken on before, at least in this church, and I don't really think anywhere before in almost 20 years of ministry. Um, and I just want to start this morning just kind of, you know, it's just family here and just to ask an honest question among family. And uh, am I the only one here? Am I the only one here that every now and then has some kind of thought like can all this can all this really be true oh it doesn't come all the time it kind of comes and goes and when I think of the unbelievability of some of the things of our faith I have the, that kind of question a lot of times at Christmas I don't have any problem believing that God can make a virgin conceive. I don't have any issue with that at all. But when you think that, that God himself, in the form of Jesus, left his throne and condescended to be in a mother's womb and be born and live as an infant and a child, when you think that the creator of all the world, the second person of the Trinity, did that, sometimes... I just kind of shake my head. <laughs> Can all of this really be true? Or maybe I'm the only one. Or maybe I'm the only one with the courage to admit it. Can all this really, really be true? Sometimes when the facts of life come in conflict with who I believe God to be, uh, doubt can come in my mind. When the, when the realities of life can just, get, just come head on with who I believe God is, and I, I know that people are beheaded because of their faith just this past week. And I believe God to be a loving and compassionate and merciful and gracious God. And, but then the realities of life come in conflict with who I believe God is. I watched a YouTube video of a, a child in, I don't know, some foreign country and some, probably some African country. It had been burned badly and the child was 13 or 14 and had lived like this and lived pretty much as a beggar and and some, and some missionary groups had taken him and, and uh, caring for him. And I look at that little boy and I, I held my hand out to the computer screen and I prayed for him. And, but the realities of life came, came head to head with a loving, compassionate, merciful, gracious God. And why does that happen? Why do you allow that to happen? And we know all the thousands of people that, that die from hunger-related 
diseases every day. Every day. And thoughts come into my mind like, I'm, you're all probably different than I, but my brain has to give my heart permission to believe. Belief has to pass through the filter of my brain. I, I'm not one that just swallows something that the preacher says. I'm, I'm not one uh, to just be able to believe any old thing. And um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a skeptical person uh, uh, myself, and my brain many times has to give my heart permission to believe. And so I ponder those things and think deeply about those things. People... I just don't believe what somebody said. And I said, yeah, sure, I believe that. No, I'm, I'm, I'm naturally kind of a skeptical person, I guess. And so being a skeptical person, sometimes I wrestle with things of faith and, and I'm not satisfied with little trite answers. If, if, there's anything that, if there's anything that kind of irritates me about us Christians is when we give trite little trivial answers to, to huge complex problems. And I just thought this morning that I would encourage you to do something that's going to sound really weird. I mean, it might even sound heretical. It will go against some of the teachings that you've probably heard. But I'm encouraging you this morning to say yes to doubt because doubt can lead to a deep, deep, maturing faith. I tell you, what doesn't lead to a maturing faith? Someone who never wrestles with their faith. Someone who never wrestles with their faith and someone who, who never uh, thinks deeply about some of the unbelievable things that we are asked to be able to believe, that person doesn't know why he or she believes or really doesn't care. The preacher told me, the church told me, my Sunday school teacher told me, and that's wonderful and good, but as we grow up and mature, there needs to come a, a deepening of that. One of the other reasons I want you to say yes to doubt is because uh, I want you to be open to your children who doubt. I don't want you to be afraid of them, and I don't want you to, to be afraid of the questions that they give because um, research tells us that many young adults leave the church because they cannot feel free to express their doubts. They cannot feel free to express them. And they just feel like everybody in church has got, is either not being honest or just got it all figured out and they don't find a place amongst people that's got it all figured out or people that are just not honest enough to admit their true feelings. Well, I want us to be a church that in our Sunday schools and in our small groups and in our lobby conversations can be able just to be able to honestly say, you know, I don't, <laughs> that's a tough one for me. And no one condemns them or no one says, oh, we've got to put them on the prayer list. And we, we immediately respect that person. We immediately think that person is being honest and, 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 and true. I, I, maybe you're not like me and maybe, maybe it's easy for you to believe. But my belief has to pass through the filter of my brain and I've got to, it's got to rumble around in there and, it's, and I've got to... F got to stretch it and I've got to examine it and I've got to say yes but and and after I've struggled with it and wrestled with it and and asked questions about it and read about it and then maybe my brain will give my heart permission to believe there's probably at least one or two of you in here that are like that 
that have seriously thought about the, the difficult things that we're asked to be able to believe. If you've doubted, if you've ever had uh, thoughts of doubt come through your mind, if you've ever just not been able to figure things out, you, you're in good biblical company. You do know that, don't you? Some pretty influential biblical characters have kind of been um, right where you are. If, if you've ever had any thoughts like I'm confessing this morning. If you don't have to read and know the Abraham and Sarah story too much, but the one who's called the father of the faithful has some serious times of, of, of doubt. And I, I will not take Abraham's humanity away from him that when he was called to be able to sacrifice his son that there was not serious doubt in his head. If I take that doubt away from Abraham at that point, I take his humanity away from him. I won't do that because I don't think the Bible does that. Job had serious times of doubt. Serious times of doubt through his book. David had serious times of doubt when you read the Psalms and, and, and some of the other Psalms that are written by other people that had serious thoughts of doubt. Gideon ends up in the Hall of Fame of Faith in, in chapter 11, but in the whole story of Gideon, there's, there's, serious, there's serious doubt there. And, and the biblical writers don't hide that. Isn't that interesting? It seems like if doubt was this big, horrible thing and, and this thing that we're not supposed to talk about and we just talk about it in whispers and, and that it would be hidden in Scripture, but it's not hidden at all in Scripture. Peter shows us that faith and doubt can be able to coexist together because Peter did one of the most faith-filled things ever when he stepped out onto the water. But the scriptures tell us, after stepping out into the water, he doubted. Doesn't hide it. Jesus didn't let him drown. <laughs> John Ortberg is a, is a pastor in, in California that I greatly respect. He's a Presbyterian pastor, and he's, he's written a lot. And uh, I came across something that John Ortberg had written this week uh, talking about some doubt that appears in scripture. Karen, do we have that video? Interesting and to me really comforting aspects of the lives of the disciples is uh, their humanity, their commitment to Jesus in the midst of vacillation. And what's very striking in the Gospel of Matthew is after all those years of Jesus pouring into them, they're watching miracles and then finally them seeing him crucified, the depths of despair, and then the joy of the resurrection, we're told at the very end in Matthew, that they gather together before he ascends, and they worship him, but some doubted. And it's amazing to think, even after the resurrection, there were still folks that doubted. And it's even more amazing to think Matthew actually included that in his gospel. He's not trying to um, whitewash the portrait of the disciples. And that means that even in the midst of my doubt, of our doubt, we can still give worship and we can still be commissioned by God to do the work of Jesus around the world, which is precisely what happened with those disciples. Post-resurrection disciples, it says in Matthew chapter 28. Post-resurrection disciples. And it says of them, some worshiped, but some doubted. Post-resurrection disciples. These disciples that were to be sent out and be able to go in all the world and make disciples. 
Matthew 11 shows us a, um, a, a portrait of a man who doubted. Matthew 11, there's a story of John the Baptist, and John the Baptist was, uh, had seen Jesus come to him to be baptized, and, and, and John the Baptist said, no, I shouldn't be baptizing you, uh, you, you, um, uh, you need to baptize me. And John the Baptist has, had heard during that baptism, John the Baptist had heard a voice from heaven say, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, saw the dove come down, and, and uh, John the Baptist later in his life finds himself in prison. He finds himself in prison, and chapter 11 uh, records that story, and after Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on there to teach and preach in towns of Galilee. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah... He sent his disciples. John had some disciples. A lot of people thought John was the Messiah himself, and he had some people uh, hanging around him. And John sent some of his disciples to ask him, and that would be Jesus, are you the one, are you, are you the Messiah? Are you the one who's supposed to come and Free the nation, Jewish nation from Roman bondage. Are you the one? Because that's what they thought the Messiah is supposed to do, come and, and lead the nation out of, of Roman tyranny. And Are you the one? Or should we wait for another? Are you the one or should we wait for another? So he sends a couple of his men to be able to go and, and ask Jesus. If that's not doubt, I don't know what it is. So he sends a couple of men to be able to ask that question and uh, they get to Jesus and Jesus' reply is not like, um, oh boy, we've got to pray for John here. He's losing his faith in prison. And, uh, well, John didn't hold on to the end, I guess. That's not Jesus' words. Jesus actually reassures him in verse, verse 4. And he says, Jesus replied and tells the guys that, that John the Baptist sent, he says, go back and report to John what you hear and see. And what is it they hear and see? They, they, the blind receive sight, the lame walk, those that have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. He, he doesn't condemn him. He doesn't put him down. He, he, he doesn't say, oh, the unbelief, that's so horrible, that doubting, that's so horrible. He simply gives him some evidence. He simply reassures him. In his doubt, he reassures him. I'm, I'm, I'm asking you this morning to say yes to doubt. I, I don't want anybody to doubt anything that they are confident of. That's, that's absolutely, totally foreign to what I'm saying. But uh, those of you that may struggle with some issues, I'm saying this morning, say yes to that struggle. Say yes to doubt. Because when you struggle and grapple and investigate and wrestle with your faith, it can lead to a very deep, convinced, mature and if you just shut your mind off to it and say, and, and, and oh, I can't figure that out, but I'm not even going to think about that, and well, we're not going to talk about that part of Scripture. And if you just shut your mind off to that, it doesn't lead to a deepening, maturing faith. It leads to an immature disciple who was spoon-fed and they just swallowed something. It's interesting what happens after this because Jesus reassures John and says, hey, go back and tell John these things. And then the disciples, they go back. And the scripture says, as they were leaving, 
Jesus then started talking to the people that were around him. And in verse 11, he says, <laughs> he says, I'm telling you, there's not anybody born among women that's greater than John the Baptist. This one that had just come and he had just heard about some doubt that he has expressed. He complimented him. And this one that doubted, Jesus said, let me tell you, there's no one greater born among women. I'm encouraging you to say yes to doubt. If that doubting leads you to an honest wrestling and struggling and inquiry, have the courage in your small group and in your Sunday school class and talking to your friends and talking to me and have courage to say, help me with this. My brain is not giving my heart permission to believe. A lot of times those times of doubt happen just like they happened for John because John was in prison, okay? He was in prison and he was awaiting to be beheaded. So it was a very difficult crisis moment in his life. And in the crisis moments of our lives when babies die and babies are born deformed and Husbands die and prayers aren't answered. And, and the, the facts of life conflict with who I believe God to be. It's, it's a time that doubt can come and we see that. We see that in John the Baptist. I read something this week and I can't remember who to give this credit to, but it was something like this. Every time a baby is born... Every time a baby is born, we understand the miracle of God. But every time a baby is, dies, we doubt who God is. It's a fine line between faith and, and, and doubt many times. They can coexist. Did you know that faith is not certainty? Because once you're certain about something, you no longer need faith. Faith is not involved. You don't need faith to believe that I'm standing before you because you can see that and you're living by sight right now. Faith is not certainty. Let me do something here. Bill, stand up. Can I use you as a volunteer? You're not really a volunteer. You're a voluntold right now, aren't you? Okay. All right. Do you believe that I have a $20 bill in this hand? Yes or no? He does not. He does not believe that. Now, see, there's probably some doubt in his mind. Maybe he's right. Maybe he's not. But as soon as he lives by sight and sees that there is a $20 bill in my hand, all faith is gone. I've destroyed any doubt or any 
uncertainty that he had. Thank you. Someone has said that the opposite of faith is certainty. Now, we're not talking about unbelief. Unbelief is of the will. Unbelief is I will not believe. I don't, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the face of this, in the face of that, I still, I'm stubborn. I will not. That's, that's different. It's different. It's different. I don't want to hear any more about it. I, 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 no, I, no, I just, I, that's unbelief. That's different. That's different. I'm encouraging you to, to say yes to people who have honest doubt, who, who just are, are really struggling getting their heart to believe. And, and it's tough passing through the filter of their brain down to their heart. And There's an interesting story in Mark chapter 9. Um, a man brings his son to the disciples, and the son has just got all kinds of convulsions and seizures, and he brings it to the, to the disciples and asks the disciples to be able to heal him, and the disciples can't heal him, and so then he brings him to Jesus. And Jesus uh, asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? And, and the father says he's been like this since from childhood. And the, and the father says it, it is often, and it was speaking of a, demon possession is it has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him but if you can do anything but if you can do if you can do jesus if you can do if you can do anything that's a big statement of faith isn't it jesus if you can if you can do anything would you take pity on us would you take pity on us? And Jesus responds, and I've heard preachers say, Jesus got all mad, and what do you mean if? I don't, that's not my understanding of Jesus throughout the Gospels. I picture Jesus as kind of smiling, saying, if you can. I've heard preachers say, well, Jesus went off on him, and that's not who I see Jesus through the Gospels. I kind of see Jesus standing there, if, if you can. Everything is possible for one who believes. And I love that daddy's response. I believe. But help my unbelief, or some translations will say doubt. And this word unbelief there is not translated like a stubborn will not believe. It's it's, it's doubt, it's uncertainty, it's I believe. I believe. But there's pockets of unbelief, and I'm just silly enough to admit them, and I'm just brave enough to admit them, and I believe, but help my unbelief. And, you know, the story goes on, and Jesus heals him. <laughs> well, that's not good enough. That's not enough belief right there. You're not faith-filled. You're tossed like the wind. You're doubting there. I'm not going to do that. You have unbelief. He, he heals him. And I think, I don't know, this is just Mark. I, I think maybe one of the reasons that Jesus heals him because the father was just honest. <laughs> and I think Jesus values transparency and honesty. I believe, but help 
down. Oh, I'd love for us to be that type of a church that are so honest with one another and, and so confident with one another and, 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 and that we can say in our small groups, we can say it with, to each other, we can say in our Sunday school classes, yeah, I believe, but there are times, God, help me with my doubt, help me with my unbelief. I wish we could be that honest with God. Let me give you a clue. He already knows it. And if you're not willing to voice it, you're probably too concerned about what we think. And you're a John 12, 42 that says you care more for the praise of men than you do for the praise of God. Oh, for a church that is honest enough. Oh, for the disciples that are, that are just honest enough and have, a, have enough faith in God to doubt. Well, I better not say that because God might hit me over the head with the back. Better not say that or what do God think? What? No, I got confidence in God. I know I'm his, I'm his child. I know I'm living with him. I know I'm walking with him. I'm in relationship with him. But God, help my unbelief. That have enough confidence in God that can admit those things, just like the psalmist did. Just like all the psalmists did when they questioned God and where are you, God? They had enough confidence in God to, to, to be honest with him and, and talk back to him and wrestle with him and struggle with him. In fact, in fact Jacob's name was changed to Israel because Israel means that you're going to be wrestling with God. And like the whole nation of Israel were people that were going to wrestle with God. Genesis chapter 32, when Jacob wrestles with the angel of the Lord, changes his name to Israel. Because you will be part of a nation that will struggle and wrestle with God. Do you say yes to doubt? Because there are many times doubt can lead to a deepening, maturing And there's nothing worse than faking it. And there's nothing worse than, than having doubts but de de denying them and having doubts and just pretending like they're not there. And oh, for the sake of your children, for the sake of your grandchildren who will come to you with doubts, can you embrace those doubts? Can you talk about those doubts? Can you not be afraid of those doubts? Because if you shut those, those doubts down, it could be leading to shutting the door the church to those young people can you talk about this you don't have all the answers can you admit that you don't have all the answers there's something very attractive about a person that can admit that they don't have all the answers and there's something very unattractive to a person that's got this thing wrapped around their little finger and got it all figured out unattractive about that person because everybody knows that person doesn't really exist so they're just trying to make us believe they're that type of person There's one more story of doubt in the New Testament that I want to share with you. And it, it's the one that we know as Thomas. Doubting Thomas. He gets told by um, the disciples that, that Jesus is alive, he's been resurrected. He says, hey, I, I'm, unless I can be able to see the marks in his hand and his side, count me out. Count me out. 
not going to believe it. I have to have proof. I have to have proof. I will not live by faith. I have to live by sight. That's what, I mean, that's pretty much, I mean, I'm, I know I'm reading between the lines, but it's pretty much what Thomas said. And then Scripture says that a week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. And through the do- though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, I don't know how, I don't know how this is, you know. And, you know, Jesus walks in and said, Peace be with you. And I, I don't know, did Jesus then just go straight to Thomas? He said, check it out, man. Go ahead, put your, put your finger here. I don't know. I mean, it, it just says then he, then he went to Thomas. But, but was one of the main reasons for Jesus to be able to come that day was to be able to say, Thomas, heard you got a little problem. Go ahead. It's okay. Let me prove it to you. So you can stop doubting and believe. And this one that said, I got to see. This one that was forever is remembered as doubting Thomas then makes the greatest proclamation of faith that we have in all of Scripture. There is not a better declaration of faith. The only time any of the disciples declare the divinity of Jesus and really declare who he is, is when this doubter, after he had his doubts taken care of, and Jesus didn't condemn him for his doubts, Jesus just gave him the proof that he needed, he says, my Lord and my God. I've been trying to tell you that doubt can lead to faith. I've been trying to tell you that a maturing doubt, a maturing faith, can come from struggles and doubt and just don't get it. And honestly, honestly telling Jesus, not of your unbelief, not of your stubbornness, not of your will, but oh, Jesus, help me figure this out. It's having a hard time going through the filter of my brain and getting down to where I believe? Would you you reassure me? Would you you show me? Would you help me in my... I believe, but help me in my unbelief. I think God likes to answer that prayer. It's a prayer of a seeker. It's a prayer of one who's looking for truth. It's a prayer of one who's just not satisfied with, with just little trivial answers. It's, it's the prayer of one who really wants to get a hold of this thing. So I've just come this morning, and I don't know who I'm talking to, and maybe there's just like two or three that I'm talking to, and the rest of you thinking that this didn't have anything to do because you... you you got everything wrapped around your finger. But maybe there's just two or three of you that, that God wanted me to come say, hey, I can deal with your doubts. I can deal with your doubts. And doubts should not keep you from being committed. Because that's what faith is. 
Can I go back to one more little clip from my pastor friend John Ortberg on this faith and commitment, even amongst doubts? Karen? And it's very important for people to understand the fact that you have doubts does not mean that you cannot have faith. Um, a distinction that's been very helpful to me has been to recognize the difference between certainty and commitment. Um, certainty is, is more of a feeling than not. I cannot generate certainty by an act of the will. And many people get into trouble in their spiritual lives because they try to force a feeling of certainty. But even when certainty is not possible, commitment is always on the table because I can choose to be committed. And commitment is a very important part of faith. It's actually the part that Jesus asks us to offer him to be able to be in a relationship with him. Uh, uh, what I believe is far greater than what I doubt I can commit. What, what, what I understand and what I, what I can wrap my mind around and what I can have faith to believe is far greater than those things that I am really struggling with. I can still commit. What the preacher preaches and what I read in the scripture, it's, 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 it's what I do believe and I do understand is, is just really far greater than, than what I have to scratch my head at and I can still commit. Because faith and doubt can exist in the same person. And faith is not the same thing as certainty. When you are certain, you no longer, no longer need faith. Our servers are coming to the table and you're asked to be able to believe in what one did for you. You're asked to be able to believe that. You're asked to be able to believe that over 2,000 years, a, a, a man called Jesus hung on a cross for you. You're asked to believe that he was not only a man, but that he was divine as well. You're asked even to believe that, that he was the God-man. You're asked to believe that he's the second person from the, of the Trinity, and that's some pretty deep stuff, man. But I wonder if there's some of you this morning that would, would come to the table this morning and even admit some things you don't have all figured out. You'll say, what I can believe is far greater than what I doubt. I'm ready to commit. I just wonder if some people that have never done that this morning would be able to come with all the rest of the believers and say, you know, there's some things I really don't, I don't have. I don't have it all wrapped. Or I, don't, I just don't have it all figured out. But what I do understand, what I do believe, is greater than what I doubt. The song that Billy Graham has used in all of his crusades, that... Tens and thousands of people have walked down the aisle. There's a verse in it that says, with many a conflict and many a doubt. I come this morning just as I am. 
fightings and fears within. Many a conflict and many a doubt. But I still choose to believe. Admits some things that I haven't got all figured out. Father, I don't know how this message has hit us this morning. You're our loving and gracious God who just wants us to be honest. And if for anyone this morning, being honest simply means I believe, but help my doubts. I believe, but help my unbelief. I pray you reach out to them this morning. Allow them to come and receive the bread and the cup this morning. Allow them to come and pray around the altar or maybe just in their pew. Allow them to say yes to doubt, to start to wrestle and struggle and investigate and get serious about their faith. But still being able to commit because what I believe is far greater than what I doubt. Be with us during this time of worship. In your son's name.